What's good? Happy Friday, LL Nation. Lucky Lucky Podcast. Starting it off, man, because I don't want you guys waiting any longer. Uh, waiting for Malik to jump in any second now. Man, thank you guys so much for all your support. We hit the 1,000 mark with, with subscriptions, and uh, we're just waiting for the review to get through the process so we can go ahead and allow you guys to uh, partake in the process with Super Chats, man. Um, looking forward to every day giving you some great content. I'm I'm amped about today because today the entitled the we entitled today's show Biden Styles. Biting styles. And today we're going to talk about the five styles or the five different ways that Marcus Freeman can catch Alabama. There's five different ways we feel like Marcus Freeman can go at this. And we have precedents from other coaches and other programs that have been successful in the past 25 years with building a program and ultimately winning a national championship. So, man, we're very excited about how you guys feel about what we're saying. And we're not too uh, sure on which style Marcus Freeman is going to approach building his program. But one thing we are ecstatic about is the fact that things seem like they're going to be different with him saying he's going to be the lead recruiter and a head coach that builds the best relationship with recruits. So, man, shout out to him. We're going to talk about that. And when Malik gets on, we're going to start off the show talking about hitting switches. Because, you know, we always talk Notre Dame, but I have to talk about that NFL game from last night. Football is all about playmakers, man. And a great example was last night with the Kansas City Chiefs. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and Patrick Mahomes, they hit the switch in that fourth quarter in overtime. Flat out. They hit the switch was bumping up and down on San Diego and then just took off on them in overtime. That's what you need, that type of combination offensively, whether it be a running back, wide receiver, two wide receivers, whatever it is. You need that quarterback, wide receiver, tight end, running back, whatever the combination is, you need that combination offensively that at certain times in the game can just take over that's what we saw in the sec championship game georgia went up 10 zip early in that game and seemed to be on the road to dominating alabama physically and then all of a sudden bryce young and those receivers just took over the game they hit the switch georgia had absolutely no answer so man that really got me geeked and i'm not saying kansas city is going to win a super bowl by any stretch it's not what i'm saying this morning I'm just saying it's always great to see the ultimate answer in football. Like for years, it's always been, and still today in Tampa, but in uh, New England, it was always Edelman, Gronk, Brady. They just hit the switch. Jacksonville Jaguars had them down. Looked like Jacksonville will be going to the Super Bowl with that great defensive team. And all of a sudden, Late in the third, fourth quarter in the AFC Championship game, Edelman, Brady, Gronk, they hit the switch. And the next thing you know, they're pulling off. So that's what great teams have. They have an offense, and they have a combination of offense that can hit the switch and just take off on you. And that's what we saw from Alabama. Actually, that's what we saw from Ohio State the majority of the year because the defense wasn't that good. Teams would be in the game. 
And then all of a sudden, Ohio State would just hit that switch. And by the end of the year, Ohio State was hitting the switch early in the first quarter. And the game was over by the second quarter. So hopefully, that's what we're going to see. Some type of combination moving forward with the classes they recruit. Well, we'll see Notre Dame get that combination of quarterback, wide receiver, running back, whomever it is, where they can hit that switch and just pull off on teams and dominate. So looking forward to that. Let's get to some of your comments, man. Shout out to everybody once again that's helped us get to 1,000 subscriptions. And a super chat will be coming soon. All right. I see everybody's welcoming, welcoming everybody into the church house. B-Rock, you're right. Yo, this is a good day. Good day, everyone. Bowl season kicks off at noon Eastern. Today, followed by another bowl game at 6 p.m. Eastern. And, yo, bowl season is like the ultimate. You remember that, you know, that first day of the NBA playoffs when it's like five games throughout the entire day? Just start off the playoffs. It doesn't matter because you know who's going to win usually in the first round. But just the fact that you have basketball that means something, that actually means something, that's what today feels like, right? These bowl games mean something. We're going to get at uh, that matchup between Pitt and Michigan State being a little lackluster now with Kenny Pickett foregoing the bowl game and Kenneth Walker the third. Like the two best players in the game won't be playing They'll be moving on to the NFL draft. And I wonder how much Kyron Williams' decision influenced Kenneth Walker III. I really do. I want to get into that with Malik when he jumps in. And also, you know, Kenny Pickett, I, I guess I shouldn't be shocked because most people view him as the number one overall quarterback coming up on most big boards. But at the same time, oh man, I think Kenny Pickett still has some things to prove. And I mean, Kenny Pickett, we know Michigan State's pass defense is porous. Kenny Pickett would have had a field day. He was going to have a field day in that game, in my opinion. So, uh, yeah, I'm shocked. I'm absolutely shocked that Kenny Pickett and Kenneth Walker III decided to sit out the bowl game. And, uh, hey, what else can I say other than it's time to bring in my guy? My dude, what's good We're with here. you? We're back at it once again. Let me get the light on better. As always, we are brought to you and featuring Anora Whiskey. Go to AnoraWhiskey.com. Get some of that premium American whiskey only at AnoraWhiskey.com. Man, what's good on the Dub Coast, my guy? You know, another another good day with Anora. Another good day of Irish football. A lot of football news. Keeping us, no relevant, keeping us keeping us giving great opinions and perspectives and it's a good friday man it's definitely a good friday great friday great friday yo a week out from like christmas eve we had a discussion let me ask you man because we talked about this on the radio show is it too late to buy a christmas tree and put up decorations you know, what's the cutoff point I think the starting point is what people should focus on because really you'll have Christmas stuff up until March in a lot of cases. Facts. So Facts. if you as long as you're not too early, you're really good. You got a long time frame. You know, it's 
Christmas stuff be up longer than the NBA season. So, you know what I mean? So you got to figure that. You pulling the grill out for the spring. Christmas stuff still up in the crib. Yeah, by the time you putting the grill up, you putting the tree up all at one time. So are you a pre-lit tree or are you like a real tree guy? You know, I just stick with the little stuff. Like uh, I got a little blue and gold tree. Nice. But, you know, I think the maintenance, when you get older, it becomes more important and more valued. So you know, the, the smaller the tree gets, the older you get. Oh, keep that 100. So, Lucky Lefty Podcast. I'm Sean Davis at SD2 Mike's. My guy, the original Lucky Lefty, Malik Zaire at Overtime Malik. Before you jumped on, I just gave an example last night of what I saw because we're talking about biting styles today. And we're going to go over the five programs that Marcus Freeman might be able to bite to build this program and get to the national championship. But I said it's something that's a key with every great team, whether it's college or pro. It's always great to have components in the back pocket that can hit that switch whenever they feel like it. Yeah. You watched that game last night. Late in the fourth and in overtime, yo, Kansas City has a switch that nobody else in the AFC has, my bro. Like, you can talk about everything else. On their team, their roster, their offensive line. But when it comes down to it, if the game is close, they got a switch that they can hit. And that's what they did with Travis Kelsey, Tariq Hill, and Patrick Mahomes in the last nine minutes and overtime of that game. They hit the switch and then pulled off. You got to just appreciate stuff like that. You know, they kept playing the replays after, after the game. And every time it was like, man, there is no more technique for defense. You just got to run. These dudes is running the yard, a, a route for two seconds, and they just start running around. Right. There's no, there's no way in the world that you can game plan on how to cover stuff like that. That's what makes them so different is that when they really want to, they'll start playing backyard football, and good luck. You know, it ain't no more cover two, cover three. No, it's man. So you better run. And, and just hope you can make plays. And that's something that is like this, the Golden State Warrior three-point yeah. shot. Right. When they want to turn it on, they get hot. It's not too many things that can stop them. So it's it's great that at this point in sports, especially football, to see an offense like that. Because, you know, we're coming out of the ages of the 10 to 7 games, hard-nosed defense that run the football. This is this is almost just as, just as good, more entertaining. Man, so let's talk about it, man. I'm excited about this show, bro, because in doing, like, the research and just kind of chatting about it. So here are the five programs that we we have as examples. Okay. All right. Bama is the, first, is the first program Marcus Freeman can bite, and we'll get into that. This is the shocking program, Auburn. Mm. Auburn. There's a formula that Marcus Freeman in a path where they could bite Auburn to get to the national championship. It like probably would be la- probably would be the last that I would want them to take. But we'll get it. Yeah, where the game is today, yes. Yeah. If you're referring to like be heavy defense, running the quarterback heavy, and you know, that's a great style. Right. But you definitely I mean, Nick Marshall is a beast. Let's just keep yes. it honest. Nick Marshall oh, yeah. is good. 
we, like you talking about like from Cam to Nick Marshall. Yeah, like those those two and, dudes are great. Those are, that would be a great piece. Yeah, it, but it would be also be the last piece, like you said. Like, and you think about it, the, the automatic connection is like Tyler Buckner. Like, okay, yo, we got Tyler Buckner. I can see us maybe building things like Auburn. Auburn yeah. consistently gives Alabama trouble, even they when do. they're not that good. So how they build their roster might be a path for Marcus Freeman. But Tyler Buckner gotta gotta really be have the mindset of I'm running for real. Like, right, right. Because Nick Marshall was committed, even Cam was committed to running that thing for real. So third, Clemson. Okay. You might okay. be able to get that style, right? Okay, okay. The fourth which is the least, in my opinion, because the fourth is really a copycat of another one, is Georgia. Right? We're more, we're more close to that, though. Yeah, because we're more close to that. But Georgia is really just biting Alabama style. Yes. They're but just they're, they're their own version. It's definitely not the exact copy version, but it's, it's a lot of pieces from it. It's just Georgia's style of that. And we're more last, close to Georgia than Georgia is to Alabama in terms of how we're built. Yeah. So, last but not least is Ohio State. Hmm. Can we bite that style? And then there's two ways, two different ways Ohio State was built. The Jim Trestle way hmm. is directly connected to Marcus Freeman, hmm. and we'll yeah. get into that, yeah. or the Urban Meyer way which is more modern. Yeah, it's definitely more modern. Which is more modern. More modern. And we'll get into, like, what's the backbone of these five programs and what makes more sense for Notre Dame moving forward. Okay. Okay. I like All that. Right? So let's get into it. Let's start with Bama, right? Saban starts, takes over in 2006, right? Okay. He takes over. What's impressive with Alabama is not so much what was there in the cupboard from a player standpoint, but what Nick Saban brought with him. The most impressive thing about Nick Saban when he got the job was the staff he built. Yeah. Right? You had head, former head coaches in college that were like the special teams coach. Like, think about that. Not only that, he had two associate head coaches. Mm, yeah. Right? So a, lot used, of, a lot of structure in there. Absolutely. And he used the associate head coach to attract coaches to take the job. Like, you get that title. So, and he had coach recruiters. Right. Okay. So, I like so that. I just want to go over some of the staff he had, right? So... Let's get to it. Joe Pendry was the assistant head coach and the offensive line coach. Joe Pendry was, a, at that point in time, was a legendary offensive line coach from the NFL ranks. Mm-hmm. In order to get him to come from the NFL, he gave him the assistant head coach title. So he used that to go ahead and lure him away from the NFL. How did he become uh, aware of uh, Joe Pendry? He became aware of him by coaching in the NFL. Coaching the, the short league, stint, yeah. The short stint, right? 
Burton Burns, another guy with NFL experience, associate head coach, running back coach. Now, let me stop right there. You know who this sounds like? Let's start putting the staff together, right? I got Tony, it. Tony Alford comes over. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Tony Alford gets the assistant head coach. And job. Assistant associate head coach. Yes, yes. Running backs coach. And running backs coach. Move Lance Taylor, the wide receiver coach. Perfect. Now you give him a reason to come over that's with right. that title from Ohio State. Because it's a it's a step up from right. Ohio State. Right. And it's closer to where Tony Alford wants to get to as well. Oh, now you talk about two black man head coaches damn near. And, oh, that's oof. We in twenty twenty one, man. Those days said not one, but two. Right. Now these two are really, you know, really good because Alford is given the experience. Yeah. Where Marcus Freeman is given a refreshing face. You know, the more the more uh, narrative change and perspective mm-hmm. change of what athletes look at Notre Dame. But Alfred also has really, really good recruiting as well. And that recruiting resume, he can tell a running back, I had Zeke all three, four years. What? Well, running back, you know, getting fifty million dollars like like Zeke got. Right. So that's a that's a good bargaining piece to especially for a running back room that's so talented. I think we have the one of the best running back rooms in the country yeah. when you look at top to bottom. Because any of those guys can start for us, and any of those guys can start somewhere else. And we got a bunch of 1A guys on the team. So Jim McElwain was the offensive coordinator. Most people forget Fresno State was breaking all types of records out there on the West Coast because yeah. of Jim McElwain. He, he was at Colorado State. He was that offensive mind that was ahead of his time, mm-hmm. right? So now this is the staff he puts together. NFL experience, right, that knows how to recruit, knows how to get guys, knows what the NFL looks like, can convey that to players and teach that on the college level. Then innovators like Jim McElwain, right? At this mm-hmm. point in time, Kirby Smart, not even Jeremy Pruitt. It was Jeremy Pruitt, who That's was a really very well respected defensive coordinator, was over player development. This is the staff he's building. This dude, this is the staff he's so this is why we say January 2nd is so vitally important. That's right. And how Marcus Freeman begins to build his staff. Because when you build that staff, everything becomes a culture, and now you can properly convey how to win on this level and how you can get to the next level. Not only when you get the players, but when you go into the living rooms trying to recruit the players, this is the same message that flows from top to bottom. Yes. It is very much a teaching program. Alabama is a teaching program. We're going to teach you how to be an NFL player and win games in college. Basically. And they yeah. create the staff that can do that. So the man structure. That's what we, Alabama won by structure. Now in the second year, Nick Saban, because there was talent in Alabama, right? 
when you bring in structure and great coaches, that talent is elevated. Because mm -hmm. now they're getting better instruction, and now they can go out there and play on the field above their heads or equal to where they should be. Above right. the talent, yeah. So we know what Notre Dame is right now. If Marcus Freeman brings in the right staff, you will see immediately, you will see more production from the same players on the roster. From this, yeah, we would you would see the production from the guys that are already there. Yes. Absolutely. You'll see the, the jump. Yep. For sure. So Nick and you saw the jump when Kelly jumped. Kelly's jump was Bailey's. Yes. You saw way more conditioned teams the next year's 17 that end up going undefeated. But yeah, I agree. You get a guy like that, it changes the jump of the player development. Then players see that, recruits see that. Yeah. They're like, man, I remember him being here. He's here in one year. Mm-hmm. You see the difference and how mm -hmm. it resonates, not only in the program, but outside the program. So he goes six and six his first year. The next year, I think they go 13 and 12 and one. They get to the SEC championship game. They lose to Urban Meyer in Florida. All right. They come back the following year. Every program has a class yep. that puts them over the top. Every program has one recruiting class that puts them over the top. Let's go to Alabama's 2008 recruiting class. You want to hear what this class was, bro? <laughs> they had 30 enrollees, 30. So they oversigned. 30. Hey, yeah, you can't do that now. It was ranked third nationally. They got Julio Jones, B.J. Scott at DB, Mark Barron at safety, Courtney Upshaw at linebacker, Mark Ingram at running back, Barrett Jones at offensive line, Marcel Darius at D-tackle, Chris Jackson at running back, Damian Square at defensive end, Dante Howtower at linebacker, Ronnie Lester at safety, Terrence Cody at defensive tackle, Andre Billingsley at defensive end. I can stop. Those are all yeah. NFL players. That's the oh, class. That's the class that put Alabama over the top and started the run. Right quick. there. Quick. 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 And that was just his – that was really his second full recruiting class that he had a full year to recruit them. And and that has to come from structure because you're not attracting that many great players if they're not buying into what you sell. That means everybody in that program – was relentless. Yeah. We're talking about best wide receiver, best offensive line, best defensive end, best defensive tackle. All best linebacker, Courtney Upshaw and Dante yes. Hightower. Dante Hightower is still playing. And the same. How do you get Terrence Cody and Marcel Darius in the same class, bro? In the same class. Two stud defensive tackles stud. in the same class. Sounds the 2008. About, yeah. the 2008 Class is what put them over the top, and Nick Saban hasn't stopped. You always see him bringing in innovators, bringing in coaches still to this day to have NFL experience. Yeah, they fail in the NFL, he's not afraid to bring them back. They fail as a head coach at another program, Bill O'Brien. Come, come on, come on in, 
you can coach special teams for a couple of years. Yeah. Come to, come to coaches rehab, the coaches right. ranch. Now you're back. Now you can be my offensive coordinator. That's right. Now you got back in shape. Crazy, but this is, man, he's all about structure, staff, teaching, program. That's what Alabama is. And you get that type of structure, the players will come. The players okay. definitely will come. The, the players, players will, come. will come. So let's go to Auburn, and this will be quick. Auburn is basically, yo, kind of like rebel forces, it's, right? Yeah, it's Whoa. like the it's like the uh, those child armies. They're like the they the one off. It's like a spinoff, you know, the spinoff show. Yeah, let's but just they, it's still good, but it's just the spinoff. It's the spinoff out of them. Let's pick off. Let's just constantly be a nuisance to Alabama. Let's be a nuisance to Alabama. And every now and then, if we get a special player, quarterback, you know, a Heisman candidate, you know. Yeah, it's like no matter how great Alabama is, Auburn is always built to get on their nerves. to Make it really close. I mean, think about how Alabama played Georgia look easy. Alabama playing Auburn did not look easy. No. At all. Bryce, Bryce did not look like the Heisman until the end in that one. So it feels like playing people that you grew up with. It's like going to the park playing 21, right? You can have a kid that's like all city in the newspaper. He goes to the park and he can't beat the dudes in the neighborhood. Yeah, and it's like specifically the neighborhood where he grew up. Right. These two schools being so close, it's amazing to see how close they are in recruits. It's just some aren't as touted, but they're giving them games every year. I mean, maybe it's just the atmosphere or what the game means, but Auburn's definitely in the pocket of Alabama all the time. Yeah. Question right quick from David Knight. Did Slick Nick have a big budget to work with? I don't know what the budget was when he began. I know his budget is ridiculous now. Yeah, I know. Uh, I think once he proved he could win in 2008, and it being the only team in the state that's really celebrated, yeah, it be- instantly became a professional team that when it moved forward, and now it's the hottest thing smoking in the state of Alabama. It's hard not to think that they're getting some some private funds from somewhere. Absolutely. And I'm going to be, man, does anyone not think that Notre Dame does not have money to spare? Oh. For staff? We, I think more people know Notre Dame is unwilling to spend it. We all know we got it, but I think more people understand that they ain't trying to just give it away either. <laughs> Let's, uh, so Auburn, that's Auburn. You know, when they got Cam, they could get over the top of Alabama. They're always going to compete. Hey, Bo Nix beat Alabama as a freshman. And if he played this year, he probably would have beaten them twice. Maybe. If Bo Nix plays that game, he's a better quarterback than the quarterback that was out there. Let's be real. Oh, T.J. Finley, yeah, he's better than T.J. Finley. Yeah. So, they probably win that game. Hmm. Bo Nix is like uh, Sam Donald to me. He'll be quick and throw five, six interceptions and shit. So, I don't know. Hey, he already beat him. Yeah, Once. true. Yeah, he can. But that's because he's on the right team. If Bo Nix was anywhere else, like he was at Louisville or yeah. even a different SEC team, it wouldn't even be close. Let me ask you a question, though. 
would it be feasible for Notre Dame where they are right now to go this route? Right, because they've kind of been, in a sense, a nuisance to the college football playoff and, like, everybody else that don't want them to get into the college football playoff. Can they just go the route of getting that big-time quarterback that'll get you over the top every now and then and then consistently just win and just be a nuisance to Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State? Well, I think the problem that we fell into is that Coach Kelly probably didn't feel like he could sustain getting top quarterback year after year. So he just avoided it completely and focused more on the surrounding team of getting close. So that's why he was, after a while, he was impressed about winning it because he know he, he had the formula to at least get there and be annoying enough in there to where people were talking about him. I do think... The worry about committing a quarterback like that is that you'll probably face some years like Clemson, where if you have a stretch of guys like that and then you miss a year because one of the guys are off, you might suffer a year where you fall out of the top 25 and potentially risk your job. I mean, Gus Malzahn, once he lost Cam and Nick Marshall, I mean, he was scratching and, and, and clawing to try to get back to somewhere similar to that because if you think their defense was very stout but it came down to them once cam left it was such a big loss for the team in general that that's hard to rebound that's why it's hard for miami to be consistent after dan marino's to this day uh i mean that's a route that you can take immediately yeah. If you, yeah, if we talking about win now, that's yeah, a win now strategy. If you get Dante Moore or somebody like that, then you can see it like, okay, maybe that's who we could be. But I don't think that's what Marcus Freeman really wants to be. I think, I think he, he wants, yeah, I think he wants to go more of the route of the Jim Trestle area, the more, more of where he came from. And a lot of that is based from the local recruiting. Ohio State, when Jim Trestle was there, where the stars were locally recruited, Ted Ginn Jr. You know, the, all the Glenville guys that had came through that time. He had Terrell Pryor, Midwest guy. You know, these are, these are at the time, was the perfect fit for where college football was. And I think Marcus Freeman having such a stronghold, not only from the area, but from being there and seeing what it was, I think that's more probably a natural route for him to take because that's what he's experienced. Right. So seeing some some beefy athletic linebackers like Ohio State usually have, seeing some guys that fly around in the back end like Ohio State usually has and being tough up front. Right. I think the size of Notre Dame's football team will look a lot different than, than Kelly's era. It looked more like 2012 where we had big suckers all around the field. I think we'll get to a size more like that, but that because it's more locally recruited. And it'll fit more of the Ohio State. So now the quarterback is, you know, we don't have to have the, the best of the best, but we do have a team that can withstand the schedule like the one we have. Now, let's go to Clemson, the third program you can bite. Dabo comes in 2008 in the middle of the season. Uh, Tommy Bowden, he, replaced, he replaces Tommy Bowden. 2009, his first full season. And it really takes like four or five seasons for Dabo to get going. You know, man, even when they got 10 wins and got to the Orange Bowl, 
That was the year Pat White in West Virginia put 70 points on in the bowl game. So even when they were improving, they had embarrassing moments like that, right? Mm-hmm. So this is the slow build style of, you know, building a program. Hickey yeah. alums. I don't think Notre Dame Nation will appreciate getting nah. lumped up like that because Clemson nah. wasn't relevant at, at that consistent level yet. So I don't. I think it's like a tricky line for Marcus Freeman to toe. Is he? Do you think he has the the timetable to be taking it slow and having a six and six season and having a season where you're getting massively dubbed out in the championship game? I don't know if he has the the time to be able to do that. But I do yeah. think having a Clemson type of route of building it from the ground up. I think he is doing that though from recruiting, from how the team responds to him. Uh, the team feels like the in-house hire was the right move. So from an internal standpoint, he's got the support. I think that's something Dabo had was the internal support from administration yeah. and the team when he was there that allowed him to be uh, to grow on top of that. So I think Marcus has a great foundation at school, like a Clemson, but just like a Clemson, it came down to that quarterback that made the difference in that stretch too. Taj Boyd to Deshaun to Trevor and, and that's poor. So I want to get to that in a second, but you talked about something. The difference between Clemson and see Auburn and the style they use, they have a lot of volatility at the head coaching position and with the staff. And with the players, because they and got a lot of transfers. You know, Sam Newton was a transfer. Yeah, when you build on strictly like just picking at the big team and, you know, just hoping you get the big-time quarterback to make the difference, you know, you can have that season and next thing you know, like the slope is going downhill. That curve yeah. is not in a positive direction. And coaches are gone like two years later after they just won the national championship or been in the national championship game. When you talk about Clemson, the staff that Dabo built was younger, not as experienced as, say, a staff like Nick Staben had with NFL experience, but they were innovative, right? He had a relationship with Brent Venables. He went and got Brent Venables, who was pretty much with the Stoops brothers and learned that style of defense that was dominant for a long time. He brought that to Clemson, one of the best recruiters on the defensive side of the ball, also one of the most innovative and aggressive defensive coordinators. Like, everybody wants to be aggressive defensively now. Right. But, like, Brent Venables was doing that, like, 10 years ago when yeah. Cass really just wanted to go cover two, cover three, you know, have a strong front seven and keep everything in front of you. Brent Venables was like, no. You know, when he's no. at Oklahoma, I'm coming to get you. I'm, I'm putting more speed on the field, and I'm coming to get you. That's what he brought to Clemson. And that style became very attractive to recruits. That's especially right. Especially linebackers and defensive backs. And that's how they built up their recruiting class. So you talked about the difference maker. We know the two difference makers they got at quarterback. But for Clemson, their class that got them over the top, the 2015 class. It won't be as good as the 2008 class of Alabama by no, no. stretch of the imagination. That's no. one of the best no. classes I think ever. anybody's ever, ever had. But they got Deion Kane, Mitch Hyatt, who was the starting left tackle for four years, Ray Ray McLeod, 
who's yeah. a difference maker. Christian Wilkins, Albert Huggins, who you remember started in place of uh, what was the guy that got suspended for the two the uh, game semifinal game against Notre Dame, the big defensive tackle. He got suspended, couldn't play. Lawrence. Oh, Dexter Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence and Albert Huggins was the one that came that in came in his stead. Uh, Cleveland against Farrell. Oklahoma, right? Right. Cleveland Farrell. Albert Huggins. Albert Farrell, yeah, first round pick. Albert Huggins. Austin Bryant. <laughs> yeah. Kelly Bryant. Tanner Muse, who started at safety for three years. And Amir Tapp who was a good corner for them as well. Like I said, not as good as – yeah. and Deshaun was the year before that. year before, yeah. His full class wasn't as good, but they got him a year before and then stacked that class along with Deshaun, the difference maker. And the next thing you know, national championship in 2016. Yeah, that's straight like how it happened too. So Clemson was about loyalty keeping the young, innovative coaching staff around, keeping them together. They just had defections this year with losing both offensive coordinators, right? And Dabo decided to stay in-house to fill those positions. He didn't go outside the program. He stayed to the program, similar to Nick Saban. Nick Saban has always brought everybody up in that program, like Jeremy Pruitt, like I said. Jeremy Pruitt, he went and won a national championship as defensive coordinator at Florida State. Once he left Nick Saban's uh, staff, then he went under Kirby Smart yeah. and went to multiple national championship games. So, look, man, structure is very important. That's why what Marcus Freeman does with this coaching staff is going to say a lot, go a long way to his success as a head coach in Notre Dame. No, that's right, and that's and that should be a staple that he sees as a strength that he focuses on is that, and and not getting away from it because a lot of times, where I think a lot of these coaches go wrong is that they try to be overreaching on too many different things. Yeah, I think sticking to your morals and being consistent with just being good at one or two things. Maybe it's recruiting. Maybe it's being able to gather the team. Uh, and put them and get them out there to come out with energy. Maybe that's just your best thing, and that's okay. Right. I think the more simple he keeps it, the longer he is afforded the time to put together the program that he wants. I think if he starts being a media guy, being a player's coach, being a hard guy, being this and that, and this and that, it'll just dry him thin, and then he's not going to be able to put a good product on the field. Yeah. You, he's being a, a head coach, you know what I mean? So I think uh, – if he can only be good at two things, that's fine. Let him be good at the recruiting and building the staff, and then it, and then let that year play out how it plays out. You know, trust the trust the guys around you. Man, this is an interesting stat: the three recruiting classes that built the foundation of what Clemson is today, 2013 through 2015. You know what that average national rank was? Probably the top five. No. 11. Wow. That goes to show you you the importance of the coaching staff and the coach. Because it's like they got difference makers, but nationally, those classes were only ranked 11. And that staff stuck together, too, also. Like, they're a 10-year staff that stuck together. So you can see that they really 
had the formula together to develop these players because all at the peak of it, they had four All-American D linemen at one time with an All-American quarterback. And, and I mean, they really had it, what, what the peak could look like for us, too. So I think in that 2013, Shaq Lawson was in, if I'm not mistaken, Shaq Lawson, Shaq Lawson was in that 2013 class. Thanks to Lauren, Shaq Lawson, yeah. Yeah. McCluskey. Uh, let's see. Let's go to Georgia. Georgia is just, you know, a copycat of Alabama. Kirby Smart. That's but it's fast, it's a fast food Alabama because Kirby Smart got there and immediately started fast fooding the program to where mm. they had a bunch of guys. You're like, this looks like a totally different team with transfers and GMOs and you know, it, it was built on a faulty foundation. That's why they can never take that that step step right yeah. now. And why they look so bad against Alabama is because they built on that faulty line. And so when you're playing against an established program, Nick Saban just hitting that one card and everything falling down, you know. And I think right. it's a process to get that next step, even though you can dress it up and make it look really, really, really good. Like Kirby Smart has done because he's been with Saban for so long, he know how to take all the best parts and just make it that. But he's missing that grandma's secret recipe that Nick Saban kept in the book in the closet that people don't really know. They'd be like, "I'll taste some good. I think I can imitate it." Right? He'd be like, nah, I know that secret ingredient. So when he pull it out, he'd be like, "Bam!" It make <laughs> it make the dish look so much better. You know, mm -hmm. I think that's just what he has over Kirby Smart because Kirby Smart just goes the fast food way of making that product. So for him, it's going to take a process if he's playing Alabama. Now, if he's playing a different team, he can get off a quick championship right. and, and, and start taking that step. But if he's playing against Alabama, they got your number, man. They know the ins and outs of what you're doing because you fast-fooded their program. So, Lucky Lefty Podcast. I'm Sean Davis at SD2 Mike's with the original lucky lefty himself, Malik Zaire at Overtime Malik. Today, we are talking about the five ways that Marcus Freeman, the five paths he can take to get Notre Dame to the national championship. What styles can he bite? What programs can he bite mm -hmm. off of to get this Notre Dame program to the ultimate goal? Last but not least, we have a duel set up at Ohio State. Jim Trestle. Now, this is correct. This is who mentored Marcus Freeman. This is who he played for. And Marcus Freeman was probably – Marcus Freeman wasn't part of the class that got Ohio State over the top, but he was probably the second-best class under Jim Trestle. Yeah. If we look at Jim Trestle's recruiting, Marcus Freeman was probably – Marcus Freeman was probably part of the best one-two punch. Yeah. Ever in Ohio State recruiting classes, especially kids that came from Ohio. That's right. The one-two punch that they had in that class was phenomenal. But Jim Trestle comes in. He takes over. And 2001, everybody knows the speech at the halftime of the Ohio State basketball game. You'll be proud of this team each and every day, and especially in 366 days when we win the game up in Ann Arbor, against those dudes in Ann Arbor. Everybody went crazy, fell in love with them. The cupboard was not bare. And so this is very interesting to me because I want to hear from the fans in the chat and I want to hear from you, bro. 
when you look at Notre Dame and you look at Marcus Freeman taking over, is this a situation where you say, man, the cupboard is full? Like he's taking over a roster that has the capabilities to win a national championship. What he did is that he went and got a difference maker. And it wasn't at quarterback. It was at running back. He went and got Maurice Claret. Uh, <laughs> he took over and went and got Maurice Claret in a short time. And Maurice Claret was like everything that offense needed. He was yeah. the home run threat. He was the pound threat. If you wanted to play physical and run the clock, he was everything they needed, especially with Craig Krenzel at quarterback. Because it wasn't mm-hmm. like you were about to go four, four wide with Craig Krenzel. Because he knew – the cover was full on the defensive side of the ball. Full. Yeah, I think I think that's exactly why I believe we should be more fit to that style of Ohio State, mm. not the style now of Ohio State, because we're we're just not a receiver based team. That's just never going to be our tradition. I don't think Marcus Freeman is trying to well, make that our tradition. Yeah, I think we're, a, we're right now we're constructed. If you're looking at the 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 cover is full. Is in that running back room. Yeah, we need to be centrally focused on run play action. I believe with the run play action, it will really help and benefit Tyler Buckner because I believe he can throw. I I don't think he was able to show just how well he was able can throw because he's doing different things. But I do believe a play action run game and also being able to run the football with fresh guys that can all be dynamic. We're putting, hopefully, if Brayden Lindsey comes back, him and Styles, and maybe uh, a couple young guys that we haven't seen that's coming in, Merriweather or something. Mm-hmm. These are the, the way we can develop the guys around because now you're sending guys on one or two routes. You're not giving them a bunch of things to read because you're probably going to be facing a one-on-one because of the running back stable. You're going to have to have more attention on Tyler Buckner because he can run the football as well. So you're really thinking about four guys that can touch the ball, running it, and all be dynamic. And then you go to the outside and you focus with your your speedy receivers. I think that's the Ohio State that we should be built off of because the defense is going to be the defense. Ohio State's defense at Trussell's time was very stout. Big guys, rangy guys. They had C.J. Barnett. I mean, the list goes on. Michael Bennett. So they got guys that are very, very good. But then you think about the offense and what they did. It was a it was a game management. They had time of possession. You know, they had some impact runs. They was able to stretch out drives and close out games with that. With that running room, running back room, especially that you started to see it. What happened at Stanford? We looked more like Stanford than Stanford that game. Right. So I do think that's a really good trend for us to, for a first year head coach to play it safe with, especially going into a hostile game like Ohio State the first year. That's the perfect offense to go in there with because it doesn't have to be solely dependent on Tyler Buckner making crazy third down throws or any situation like that. You can really get the team involved. Mm-hmm. And it's a hard offense to stop when you get the play action going wrong. Yeah. So. Let's talk about these classes, right? I think Jim Trestle was very much Big Ten, smash mouth defense. Uh, Chris Gamble was a big man, was a difference maker he inherited that could play two ways. 
made plays on the offensive side of the ball and defense side of the ball, locked down corner, and could, you know, stretch the field, take the top off the defense. His most important class. In 2004, he got Ted Ginn, Marcus Freeman, and Vernon Golston. That's right. Like, and they all and they all memorable people. All memorable people. Ted, Ted Ginn might have retired yesterday. You know, he's been playing for so long. Yeah, he's still getting offers. Still getting offers. You know, people he's still, still calling him. Still hey, probably three. Come and run a couple go routes in camp. Man. And Marcus Freeman, people forget Marcus Freeman was a five star. Yeah. High school All American. I mean, and he looks like a five star now. Like Marcus Freeman looks like man. he can put on some pads right now. Shout out to his stylist too, because he's oh, yeah. up. He's up the style game of the head coach at Notre Dame. He got that. He got that. Uh, that that uh, directory of all the nice things that Absolutely. you use as the head coach. You know what I'm saying? They lay he out got Shannon Sharp stylist because Shannon Sharp like Shannon Sharp. Yeah, Marcus Freeman doesn't buy off the rack, bro. No, no, I think, no, the, previous coach, I think the previous coach brought off the rack. Marcus Freeman is getting his stuff cut. He's getting his stuff cut. He's getting his cut stuff cut. So even though they got those three guys, I still think 2006 was probably the best class under Jim Trestle. Uh, Doug Worthington, James Laurinaitis, Jamario O'Neill, Alex Boone at tackle, Malcolm Jenkins, Brian Hartline, Lawrence Wilson, who Ohio State beat out, beat Notre Dame out for a defensive end. Yo. But I think that's what it is. I think a lot of these, a lot of these coaches be wanting, be thinking that our linebackers are going to be like James Laronitis. That's not coming back. There's no more James Laronitis out there. No, that thumper. Andy yeah, we not, yeah, we, Joe Schmidt is not a James Laronitis. You no. know, but that's what we. I think that's what we were thinking he was going to be. You know, perfect example is Drew Tranquil, man. Like Drew Tranquil was a safety pretty much. Was a safety yeah, linebacker like, pretty much the last year and a half. That's and right. He's the smallest linebacker, but he is like the prototypical NFL linebacker now, especially yeah. from a three-four situation. And the only way it happened was because he was a safety. If he started at linebacker, be no way. Yeah, I just watched a safety in New Mexico come to Chicago and become one of the greatest middle linebackers ever. Who? You mean Brian Erlacher? Oh, oh, oh! You mean? Oh, you talking about the, the Bears? No, I'm just saying. You just made that reference of seeing the field as a safety and being oh, yeah, yeah, up, exactly. Being able to move up, you know. That's why I think Sonny Styles is going to be really good because eventually, I think Sonny Styles is going to be a linebacker, but he's played safety, right? Yeah. That's why Jalen Sneed is going to be great. Jalen Sneed plays. Jalen Sneed is going to be great because of that. He played safety in high school at, at that size and quarterback. He played safety and quarterback. So now he comes to Notre Dame and he gets the teaching of Marcus Freeman. Yeah. Yo. He's gonna be he's gonna be dangerous. He's gonna be like James Smith. Exactly. He's gonna be dangerous. So now let's go to Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer is totally different. His style, the way he recruits, the Urban Meyer recruiting classes, man, were absolutely insane. Right. Insane. Now, insane. let's see if, let's see if you remember, because I think this was around the time, this might have been right after you got recruited. This is Urban's, Urban at Ohio State Modern? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, he had Mike Thomas, Zeke, JT Baird, Bosa Brothers. This is uh, his Maurice. best class in 2013, all right? Just oh, 13. I can tell you the whole 13 right now. It was they had Eli Apple. Yep. They had JT Baird, Zeke. Yep. They had Bosa. Yep. They had uh Mike Thomas. Is Mike Thomas a great above me? Mike he Thomas might be a great above. Yeah, he was great above me. But they had uh Jalen Jalen Marshall, who was a, a beast. People don't yep. even know, realize Jalen Marshall better than Braxton from a high school perspective. He was so good. Right. Uh Darren, Darren Lee, who yep. was in the first round linebacker, a beast. That's my guy from Ohio. I mean, I know the whole class. I almost damn near went there. Uh, <laughs> Billy Price. Oh, oh Bill, uh, Billy, uh, Billy Price. Billy yeah. Price was in that class. Now, Billy He's Price center. was a defensive tackle that they switched. That switched to center. And he playing the league for the Bengals right now. He yep. the, uh, who else? Um, those are the, I, those are for sure the league guys. Yeah. You know, I'm sure there's some guys that did make it, but there's some league. Those are the league. That's most of the class. Yeah. Yeah, so the switch from Trestle to Urban Meyer was, now you remember, Marcus Freeman was on staff with mm -hmm. Trestle. Then he went to Cincinnati to with Luke Fickle. But he still was connected mm -hmm. and was watching the Ohio State program because his boy Hartline was there. Mm -hmm. So now he sees Trestle recruiting to Big Ten football, physical, defense, and win with big plays with a couple of guys on offense, right? Yeah, it's nice. like it's only a couple guys and all. Like we don't need um, the Kansas City Chief stars on offense necessarily, because right. it's a defensive focused team, which is right. how I feel like we should be anyway. You know, that's close to that's closer to who Notre Dame is right now. Yes, doesn't necessarily necessarily mean that's what Marcus Freeman is going to be in three or four years, but as of right now. Jim Trestle type football is where Notre Dame we're, is. We're best fit. That's our that's our best way to win the most games right now. Now, Urban Meyer is the one that rivals the recruiting and the staff that you see at Alabama. That style. Now, which I, I don't know. I don't think his staff. I think Urban Meyer has more of an impact as a coach on the team than his staff has as an impact. Like I think. Okay. Brian Kelly's staff had more impact on the program than Kelly did on the result of the team. Okay. Urban has Good more point. effect on the result of the team than the staff because the staff is like, you know, I, they got offered, they got some good guys, but you don't think – I think more of staff when I think of Ryan Day. I think Ryan Day's staff is more notable on why mm. they're winning than, like, Oh, they're winning because Ryan Day is just like Dabo or something. No, I think Ryan Day is a product of having a great system around him. Now he's got to maintain it. I'm not saying he's not good, but if Urban didn't just leave that all that greatness, I mean, they was winning Big Ten every year, like it's Bama Invitational, you know. So right, right. But them for him to step into that and already inherit that, that was like Steve Kerr and Mark Jackson almost. Mm, so you don't really know. If Ryan Day is a great coach like those top coaches, or he just inherited a program that's just so strong still that let's see what happens. And that's why that uh that class for him in 13 was so important. People forget when Urban first got to Ohio State, he went undefeated his first year. Yeah. 
but they couldn't go to a bowl game because they were under sanctions, you know, from the Terrell Pryor stuff. Yeah. Under Jim Trestle, which eventually got Jim Trestle fired. Mm-hmm. That's what, and that's when I decommitted from Ohio State. Because when so, I got there, Urban Urban offered everybody. <laughs> I was the only quarterback offered with Trestle when I was about to go. This is my sophomore year. All the stuff went happen. Urban came in and offered JT Bear, Mitch Trubisky, offered like 6,000 other quarters. I was like, who is this guy? You know, who is this guy? So I was like, forget you. I'm going to know your name. And then that's that's my Urban story. Man, that's, and it's that's funny, crazy. And it's funny that the punter story came out about Urban because I'll never forget when I visited Ohio State when he first got there because I was the quarterback crew. So it was like, come up, you know, meet Urban, this and the third. And I walked on the field. Because Cam Burroughs was the first commit at Ohio State, and he was from where I was from, five-star safety at the time. Urban was like, I walk on the field, is that practice? And he's like, what would you say if I – what would you do if I kicked your ass right now? That was the first thing he said. First thing he said to me, what would you do if I kicked your ass right now? I was like, I don't know. I wouldn't let that shit happen. And basically he was – he was saying it like, those are the type of guys I want. You know, guys that I can't kick their ass. You know, they're going to fight. You know, they're going to compete, that type of thing. So when the, the story of the punter came out, I'm like, I can see it. I can see him saying that shit or doing that shit. For real. Right. And he, had a, <laughs> and he had a purpose to it in his mind. But, you know. Yeah, like, I, I can see how it didn't come out right because when he yeah. said it, it didn't come out right to me. I said, is he like, did he want to like, Give me a scholarship if I could fight him or beat him up. And it was just weird because he's so, you know, from what you think he is. And then yeah. when you meet him, you'll be like, oh, this is Herman Mark. But then he says some stuff like that. You're like, oh, who is this guy? Like, is he serious? Like, you don't know if he's serious because he's such right. a prolific figure. So I definitely laughed when I saw the punter story. But then obviously people are going to take it all type of ways. Yo, that's a crazy story. So. You talk about Tress, you talk about Urban Meyer, what exists at Ohio State under Trestle, which is more connected to Marcus Freeman and possibly what a lot of fans would like to see, which is stacking up tremendous top five recruiting classes and just overwhelm people with talent and difference makers on both sides of the ball. We would love to see Notre Dame get to that. And if they can line up difference makers on offense for the 2023 class, that's the type of class that could be walking into Notre Dame next year. One hundred percent. I think Marcus Freeman got the great blueprint. I don't think he's not prepared for this situation. I think he has an idea in his head. Maybe it's not communicated just yet, but I think the staff kind of knows the direction. And like again, I think moving forward is important because more yeah. focus should be on the result of his guys he brings in from a coach's and a player standpoint. Yep. And around year two or three is where I would genuinely try to evaluate uh, my my feelings on if he's doing or trending in the right direction. Because right now he's still getting the, the leftover food almost. Yeah, the average from the five teams, the uh, recruiting class that turned everything around or got the class over or program over the hump is about two and a half. Between mm-hmm. the second the second recruiting class or the third recruiting class, that's the recruiting class that becomes the ultimate uh, recruiting class and getting that program to elite status. That's right. 
Yeah. I, man, I really believe 23 can be that class. But like you said, history tells us it probably would be 24. Right. Like 23 is going to have some good ones. Yeah, you know, 23 could be good. Let me ask you a question. The 2008 class for Bama or the 2013 class for Ohio State? Which one was better? I'm going to say the 13 because I'm an offensive guy. I think they had better offensive guys in 13, yeah. 08. And, you know, just because a lot of those 13 guys are playing now. <laughs> and, He's and playing Mike, now. Mike Thomas playing now. You know, uh, Billy Price playing. You know, Taylor Decker playing now. So Yeah. That 2013 class banged Alabama, too. Straight up. Straight up. Banged him. He banged had him. almost 300 yards. Like, that's never, ever happened on saving to this day. Since then, so that might that might have been the class offensively that got Nick Saban to say, you know what, I can't I need to say the same way. Well, he ended up getting Jalen that the year after, or was Jalen? No, yeah, he got Jalen the year after they had Blake Sims that year, right? So let's get to some of these comments, bro, before we hit the petty train. Here we go, Matt Anderson. Guys, why would Alfred come to Notre Dame? Uh, I'll definitely let you answer this one. What what would his job be? Isn't his isn't he the assistant head coach at Ohio State? That would be a downward move for him, even though he might like Notre Dame. I love Coach Alfred. He he doesn't feel like people uh like Notre Dame wants him there. So maybe it's a fan thing, maybe not. But I believe that that's a great move for us because, like you said, we talked about him gaining that title of assistant head coach. I think. That would mean a little bit more to him coming from where he's at and seeing just the future of where programs are. I think we have a brighter future under Marcus Freeman and Ryan Day, especially with him accepting slash denying the rumors of him potentially looking for another job. Like at this point, whenever they deny it in a press conference, it just means they're going to take it at a later date, what it turns out to be. So for him, if, if I'm Coach Alfred, I want to stay in college football relevancy. I think getting on this startup over at Notre Dame is going to potentially hit that that marker where we get big. So uh, I do think that, uh, you know, when you're going from Ohio State to Notre Dame or even vice versa, I don't think there's any step down. Yeah. <laughs> I think it just incrementally get better at the time, just depending on what's going on. So I think Coach Alford is in a step between a, a good place and a great place, you know, so – um, either way it goes, I do think having him will benefit what we're doing moving forward. Let's see, Fr David Penny. I love to see Alpha, but is that a real possibility? Shoot, with the right price, and if Ryan Day leaves and some things shake out, then yeah, Ryan Day is definitely getting at least two interviews, at least, at least, and, the, and being the favorite in those interviews. Drunk Vigo says, man, it is possible you got to speak it into existence. Well, that's, we're definitely doing yeah, that, yeah, right? Yeah, you're on that, yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, he, he should, he needs to be part of, or will be part of the Justice League of Recruiters at Notre Dame, coined by the original Lucky Lucky himself. You going to see Spider-Man this weekend, bro? Oh, you already know. I'm just, I don't want to go with the hype. Because, you know, you can't hear, you know, a lot of fanfare going on. I want to go yeah. on a matinee. You know, if you don't even know that, matinees is where you got to get to. Uh-oh, man. 
Speaking into existence, Jermaine Berkeley said, one day I'm going to write for the Lucky Lefty Mega website. Hey, we need some writers. Look, let's we, get it. We're we looking can, for we writers. We're definitely looking for writers. Let's College get it. College of Black Athletic. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, let's get it. Anthony Solomon says, I love how ND is irrelevant, but fans around the world visit our ND boards and podcasts. I don't visit any other team's site or podcast. I believe blue and gold. Sean and Malika also. Shout out to you, Anthony. Man, shout out to you. We're going we gonna to touch on everybody else's team, but, you know, we center focus on that Notre Dame over here. That's it. Drunk Vigo is laughing. And you called uh, Alabama's like coaches rehab. <laughs> <laughs> hey, like, oh, come on to mama. You know, mama's going to get you nurse back to health, get you another job somewhere. Uh, going back to what we're talking about, the importance of staff, Jermaine Berkeley says, I think ND should build staff as they did the last couple of hires. Hire their own staff independent too. Who's yeah, it's like, coach. you know, you dip your head in that coach's pool. It's like you get a little bit of too many used coaches. You know, I want to, it's like we go in a blockbuster and getting all the uh, previously owned movies. I want to get them fresh discs out of the red box or something, you know. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about, you know, the, the coaching staff for me, I would love to see NFL representation. 100%. You know, especially that offensive line coach, any good program has a really good offensive line coach and a really good defensive line coach. Like, because Tony Alford's there, but people forget, and they sleep on um, Coach uh, – Oh man, he was the uh, defensive line coach at Penn State. Moved over to Ohio State once uh, Urban got there. Anderson. Oh yeah, Coach Anderson. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, older brother, but man can recruit his tail off, relentless, and is a great teacher. Great, teacher. A great teacher. You know, and he's probably going after the same guys that Mike Elston is constantly going after every year. That's true too. Let's see. So, Harry, look, you've been you've been on top of the mountain screaming for the last two weeks. Get Harry Heastan back involved in this program. And we talk about players and their play being elevated immediately. If Harry Heastan is part of this staff, you'll definitely see the difference in the offensive line. 100%. That's probably the first thing. You're going to see a more tight-knit group. You're going to see them traveling packs like elephants around the city, around campus. But you know you're going to get that product that you that we've been so accustomed to is these Hall of Fame guys coming out of each year. Uh, let's see. Matt Anderson has a question. Does Indy have a bunch of analysts? I thought her once that Alabama has like three analysts or something doing God knows what, not coaches, just analysts. You know, Alabama's more like a syndicate. It's got many different networks and arms that you probably don't know about, many different things in the works, because the state is all about that team. So you don't know what's going on out there. With a place like any other populated city, is too many different things going on, so it's not as focused. But you got a fortress at Alabama at this point, a dynasty, whatever you want to call it. It's something that's well-built machine that – has many parts to it. So at this point, it's probably super complex with the air over there. Yeah, that's facts. Michael Johnson, Sean Malik, I think BK was a lazy recruiter. He seemed to have that close. He 
that closing mindset, but recruits. I don't think he was lazy. I just think he was set in where he knew he could go. He knew he could hit that button 10 times. He's going to hit it. He ain't going to be fancy with it. He's going to stick to the formula. And he had, obviously had a plan. He wanted to get that winningest coach of all time, the ultimate leverage, and get paid his money. I mean, you can't deny a guy that can pull that out. You know, that's the trump card, right? I've never seen a class, you know, because this has probably been the most vocal class because of the situation surrounding Brian Kelly leaving and Marcus Freeman coming in. This has been the most vocal class from Tyson Ford, his mom, Jalen Sneed at his press conference, uh, Josh Burnham, for sure, and a couple of other players. I think it might have been Jaden Mickey as well uh, during his press conference. All of them said, "Dude, we didn't we didn't talk to Brian Kelly." Yeah, I mean, but you, but they should have, you know, they should have known that. That's not no secret thing. But I mean, that's. Yo, that's just not a, that's not a good look, man. That's that's not getting you to the top of the mountain. But nobody head. committed to Brian Kelly for Brian Kelly. They committed to the situation, which is why Brian Kelly didn't care because he's like, I know you're gonna come because of what I'm building, not because of me. I don't, you know, I ain't even gonna talk to you. Yeah, but let's keep it real. Jalen Sneed committed to Notre Dame because of the relationship that Marcus Freeman had with his head coach yeah. going back to Ohio State. And the head coach growing up with his wife, you know, when they were smaller. Relationships I mean, matter, especially yeah. for big time recruits. That's right. They matter. And when if you're you got, if you got family ties like that, man, that's you know, you just gotta cultivate it at that point. Man, you have to cultivate these relationships for these five star guys. If you're gonna get the difference makers, you might have to rub a couple of backs, man. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, let's see. I think we should we should have a fun, you know, since the NIL team is here. I think we should have a five-star fun. If we really, really want to get a five-star, we can drop drop a bag off, you know, to make it more enticing. But at least be open about it. I think if the difference between why I don't think Notre Dame would be like that, like a Bama and a Georgia is, is because we we wouldn't be open with it. And that's be and because of that, Notre Dame is like, well, we don't want to take that route if we gotta sneak around because we don't want that perception. But if we were just to professionally do it and have like a fund that alumni can donate to for a five-star fund, and we just openly use that to pay players or whatever, I think we could. That's when we would start using that endowment. We talk. Michael Johnson has a question. I think ND is further ahead. Farther ahead of Clemson when Dabo took over. That I think so because Dabo be talking too crazy in the meeting, man. I think some <laughs> players, players probably be like, you know what, we have to reevaluate this man Dabo because he be talking crazy with these crazy hot takes. And some people might disagree with this. I remember having this conversation with my dad. I remember in the days after uh, the murder of uh, George Floyd. And Dabble had some comments. And I told my father, I said, his next two to three recruiting classes won't be the same. Yeah. Just behind just behind that. Yeah. Like he he like, he, he be and I never had to be, a, to be such a player's coach. 
Yeah. And then to be so tone deaf around the team of what you coaching, it yes. don't matter. It's like Drew Brees. When Drew Brees said that crazy thing, like his grandfather was the only person to fight in the war or something, totally tone deaf with the situation. Yeah. He was terrible the last two years. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that's why, but, you know, I mean, when you at tone deaf in a predominantly uh, a predominantly uh, stronger community than others, it's like, man, like, I don't know if you really genuine at that point. And I think that's a that's why I say we're training in the right direction. I think people feel Marcus Freeman's genuineness and authenticity. Mm-hmm. They're questioning Davos' genuineness only in the sense of that he's so tone deaf every time. He never he never <laughs> goes into none of these conferences where he says something one off and be like, I apologize or I misspoke. It's always doubling down, always some tone deaf, like he just yes. don't get it. But but then he'll turn around and be like players this, players this, education this. So I'm like, what type of coach are y'all really dealing with in Clemson? It was, it's yo, I knew it. Like when he made those comments, I said, yeah, next two to three. That's why this year I think they were ranked 13th. Yeah, they nobody three. feeling that. They've been yeah, top nobody. five. They've been top five. And then they go to 13, which is crazy. So I think next year might be the same way. Like you can't, and dude, we're not here to debate politics. That's not what we're doing. But like you said, you've been in that locker room. Your head coach can't be tone deaf. But you see, Coach or Kelly, you. Coach Kelly's so funny because he's gonna go out there and march with them boys. That's exactly what he did. That's exactly what. Right. Coach Kelly is never gonna break character. If that's where things is trending, man, you you might you might catch Coach Kelly with an autobiography of Malcolm X on his desk. You know, hit you with the hit you with the. You know, he'll go to the press conference and get the. You know, it's really insightful. You know, right. what I'm saying that we need to, to, to change the times. He's gonna do because and it's funny because you know he's gonna do that, but. When you go home, you wouldn't think that he's all for it. You know, he ain't going. So I do appreciate that Coach Kelly's going to stay PC with whatever's going on. That's why he go down to LSU with the accent and the, and he in the video. Dan- what? All of it. If, if that's what it calls for, he going to do it. If it calls for Dabo to make an apology that everybody know that you may not really mean it, but you got to say it, he ain't going to do it. And that, no. <laughs> and that affects recruiting. Yes. Coach Kelly's been consistent for 12 years because he stayed PC for 12 years. He don't care. If you talk stuff, he may do something funny. He ain't going to speak on it in no negative way. He's going to keep it general just like he when he left. Yeah. Hey, I got you guys here. I'm glad I got the chance. Now I'm gonna move on. <laughs> you gotta laugh at that stuff. Like you said, man, as a head coach, read the room, man. <laughs> read the room. David Knight, other than Jack, uh, Jake Fromm and Stafford, who has uh, Georgia really had at quarterback, and Jake wasn't that great. Uh, I don't think Georgia wants to be great at quarterback. That's not they like mo. Eason, you know, they had they had Eason. Who's a big time recruit? He got hurt and lost his job to Jake Fromm. Aaron Murray was the guy. Aaron Murray had, was nice. If he you had nice. to think of like the, uh, the last quarterback that had some hot relevancy news behind him, 
Aaron Murray was the guy in Georgia outside of Matthew Stafford. Other than outside of those two guys, Georgia hasn't been trying to succeed the most with court th- through their quarterback. I mean, they had a they had a difference maker. They just chose Jake Fromm over. Look how they look how they did he though. You would I don't think Justin Fields has the same career he stay in Georgia. No, no. He would be worse off than Jalen Hurts because remember Alabama got the formula, and if anything, they would have did Jalen Justin Fields worse than Jalen Hurts because they don't know exactly how to do it, you know. So him going to Ohio State was the best move he ever could make. I forgot damn near he went to Georgia. Man, that's interesting. Like, do you look back? You talk about your interaction with Urban. You had committed to Ohio State and the class that came after you. All of those offensive weapons. Do you ever think well, about yourself in Urban Meyer's system? Man, I just didn't like the guy. I felt like That's when Tressa left, I just felt like I left. Like he was like, man, I can't, I can't go back home. That's my dog, man. I love Tressa. But with Urban, I just was so I just didn't like the dude. So I knew that we had the same type of offensive weapons at all, at Notre Dame at the time. I mean, we had Greg, Brian, Tarian, and then, you know, offensively we had some great receivers. With At that time it was James and Corey Robinson was there. Yeah. And so we had some we had some guys, and Will Fuller. So, shit, I said, okay, I'm straight over here. And, you know, with the effect that Notre Dame has, I was like, we're in a good spot, but. Obviously, looking back, it would have been smarter hindsight to go to Ohio State because who knows what the hell. You know, me and Zeke, that would have been crazy. You and Zeke in the backfield? Yeah. That would have been crazy. So that would have been you against Alabama because JT got hurt. Yeah, JT wouldn't have been JT, you know. I'm assuming you would have been able to beat out uh... – there was nobody. It was just yeah. it was just Braxton, and Braxton at that time was transitioning receiver, and I felt like I would have been playing earlier because he would have been playing receiver earlier. And then Cardell is there. Like, come on, man, I can be Cardell. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Steve Williams, with the coaching style program setups, my view is that Freeman understand connections and leadership. I'm actually very excited to see what he does with the staff after January 1st. I am as well. Um, I'm fired up to see the direction he takes to building the staff. Um, I would love to see him take the Alabama approach and get some NFL representatives. Stand back and go get Tony Alford and yo. I think Coach Freeman has the personality that he can take a Bama route. I think he's respected enough, but also relatable enough. He's more relatable than a Nick Saban from a, you look like you can make a tackle. You know what I mean? But he's also respected on a coaching side where players aren't just being like, oh, that's just Coach Freeman. I think they see value from what they can learn from him. And it's also, he's a great leader. I mean, you know, I think, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, Eugene Williams says, say less, y'all. Freeman be clean. Board of health clean. Yeah. I need to. Uh, Shoot, even Tommy getting his little swag up. I man. see you know, that. You see Tommy ain't rocking the sweatshirts all the time. Too. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy said, okay, I, I'm, them PJs require different clothes in the tie. I can't just be hopping on anything. Yeah, Sergeant Green 9 said, Junior Tula Amaka is a thumper. 
don't say thumper like it's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. He also is a running back and a fullback and has sweet feet. He's not your yeah, typical. last name is a thumper, though. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever got to say it every week on the cast. Man. So it's like, <laughs> I love thumpers. Because you, you, you said it's smooth. I don't even think you said the name for real. I think you just was like, all right, I'm going to, you know. No, I'm going to be honest, man. I, I, I've, <laughs> I've heard Brian Driscoll say it a lot. Yeah. And just just listening to him say it, finally yeah. now I know how to say it. Yeah, you I don't even yeah. look at the spelling. Because if I look at the spelling, it'll mess me up. Yeah, because the U start looking like the M's and it right. look like it's double and you like right. all these straight lines in this name. So now I just I listen to him and just repeat it, and it's like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh let's see, another one from Mark Applegate. Do you think we have that now? With the running back crew and the wide receiver recruit with Tyler or Drew at quarterback. Good question. Thanks for chiming in, Mark. Beautiful family, by the way, my man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, we it's it. I think we'll be closer to know if we have that at Oklahoma State. Is how are they going to use Tyler? How they use Jack? And how is the offense going to look now that Tommy really has all the authority on the offense to run it how he wants? That's gonna set the trend of should we be worried in spring or do we feel good going into spring? Or do we need to hit that transfer portal? Or is Tyler Buckner gonna be enough to take on Ohio State next year? So Yeah. You know, I think there's a lot of questions will be answered at this game because it's still enough time between now and the game, and then now is the game in spring. So I'm excited to see that that transition after that. Can, can Notre Dame really win being run heavy in these times without having, like – The defense got to be Georgia's type of defense. So he has to build the defense up, which bodes well for the 2003 recruiting class. Like, if he's mm -hmm. going that direction and just stacking these defensive classes – I mean, we got about 10 linebackers on the roster. Back, feel man, like. Especially – this might be one of the best linebacking uh, recruiting classes in the nation. Yeah, we got like strictly more linebackers and D linemen down there. And like we said, they're versatile. These aren't just like this guy's an outside linebacker, this uh, guy's an inside safety, linebacker. Middle nickel. No, everybody. Like, yeah. Man, we could throw him at Rover. We matter of fact, third down, we could put Jalen Sneed is coming off the edge. It's like and, the it's like the NBA. We got switch, we switching everything. Yeah. yeah. We switching everything. And let me Solomon says, if you don't open up the passing game, it will be very difficult to recruit an elite quarterback and receivers. Now that that is something Marcus Freeman is definitely going to have to think about and lean on Tommy Reed. But you but go this ahead. is the difference, though. We got Notre Dame. That's a top five program. So you're gonna get an elite people that are inquiring. It's yeah. not like the top ten quarterbacks in each class are like Notre Dame. Psh, I never. No, they all is like okay. If Notre Dame come my way, I'm gonna look. I'm going to look, and you're going to – if you play half as good at Notre Dame, mm -hmm. half as good, you don't even have to be great. If you play half as good, you start – you're going to be you're gonna be right in the spotlight for the NFL just because of where you're at. And if you're winning where you're at with the scheduling, you, 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 you're making your bed just right to lay in. All right. 
get to some other stuff right quick and then we'll get out of here with the petty train. People are really debating about Ohio State, man, and Urban. I agree. Uh, John Cooper did. John Cooper did a great job recruiting. He just couldn't win the big games. He was like Brian Kelly before Brian Kelly. Straight up. Like he had recruiting classes, but Ohio State could never get over that hump under John Cooper. And he couldn't beat Michigan. Yeah, Michigan. I mean, shit, Urban beat Michigan for 10 years straight or something. Like, and Brian Day the- had been smacking them. Yeah, then Ryan Day got in on some of that, but that I don't know, maybe that 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 winning got too old or something. Yeah, I'm sorry, Omar. Thanks for correcting me on this, man. Because I think Andrew, I said Larry Anderson, Larry Johnson, Larry Johnson, yeah. Larry Johnson is a legendary um, defensive line coach at Penn State and now at Ohio State. And I see you, boy. Uh, I passed one, Jermaine Berkeley. I got you. I see your request. I got the extra hat for you. Man, send me a email us luckyleftypod at gmail.com. Email, email me your information. I'll get the hat out to you. David Jones. Yeah, Malik, do you think saving an urban mile on the golf course more than they are involved in recruiting? No, I think Saban and Irvin are locked in, you know, because it's the reason why I feel like that. And a lot of it is because look at how they didn't turn out in the NFL. If you golfing and stuff all the time, the NFL is a great place for you because you're not as crazy about winning as these guys are. Yeah, Nick and Irvin are crazy about winning to yeah. where they're like power maniacs. So when you get in a situation like NFL, there's no chance in hell is working because there's different motivations at that level, one. And two, you're dealing with a different type of a guy. You know, you got guys that got families and all type of situations to where it's bigger than just winning. In college, you can get that off uh-huh. because those kids are trying to get somewhere. So for Urban and Nick, that's the perfect place. And you know they, you notice they're more like that because of how they're, they're successful in college and how it's such an extreme opposite at a professional level. That's how I know they're serious about winning. They ain't thinking about no golfing for real. I mean, they, they'll go golfing, but they're not golfing as much as Brian Kelly. You know, right. Brian Kelly probably got a great handicap right now. Right. <laughs> I, hear, I hear Nick Saban is pretty good at golf. But, you know, he probably uses the offseason. Yeah, he's using his time allotted. But right. other than that, he's recruiting. Like he said in the interview, he recruits 24-7, man. He don't stop recruiting. He probably has a golf course in his backyard as big as his career. He probably, yeah, he, you know, he probably live on a golf course. He got a house better than the governor in, in Alabama. Man, Rich Dutcher, thanks for tagging in with all the talent we have at quarterback right now. Mm, that's the mm. big one. Can Tommy mm. build up these guys or do we need a good quarterback coach? Because when you say, hold on, when you saying something like that, that's saying like we're Lincoln Riley talent. Like we got Lincoln Riley talent in that room. And that's a like Spencer, Caleb, and even that backup dude was solid that they had. But do we have that with Jack, Tyler, and Drew Pine? I think that's, I don't know. But go ahead. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't see immense talent. 
in the quarterback room. I think it's, I think there's I think there's good quarterback play. I think we get good production out of that out of that room. But talent is like you winning the game by yourself. I can't see Jack winning the game by himself. You know? No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. Matt 2011 GT. Yes. I'm I'm part of that generation, yo. I hear somebody else say it and I'm like, okay, I can repeat that. So that's that's how I say Junior to Alamaka. That's how I say it. Like, I get it done. Uh, how is Prince Collie developing? Um, he was a Jalen Sneed to me, right? He was supposed to be Jalen Sneed too type player. But see, we talked about it. Like, we saw it in that Virginia game, right? He just was too hesitant. You know? he was, yeah, he was hesitant. He, just, he wasn't playing. He was, I don't know what he was looking for. He was like concentrating, looking for keys, and he just wasn't being aggressive and coming downhill. Like he's immensely talented. That's not that's what I'm saying. He looked he looked apart. Yeah, absolutely. Like physically, he's there, fast, big, thinking too much. And that's just oh man, he gotta he gotta figure that out because he, if him, if he could figure that out, he's like a Michael Parsons. He could be. Man, he's just thinking too much. Uh, what will the offensive line look like against OK State with Quinn still coaching it, but everyone knowing that it's what's keeping this offense from being really explosive? Man, can I keep it a thou while? I was up late Tuesday night, and they had the replay of the Big 12 championship game on. I'm not worried about this OK State defense, man. No. Think about it. They're good I'm against really who not. they're playing. I'm really not. I'm not. I'm not worried about this OK State defense. I'm, re I'm really not. I don't think Notre Dame – Notre Dame with Jack Cohn would just have to turn the ball over. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We have to We have to lose this one. Yeah. It's not about, you know. Yeah. Now, it does – I do want to see how these young guys, especially that running back room, comes out because – that's the way we're going to win this game is through that running back room so it can take the pressure off Jack so Jack doesn't have to feel like I have to put it somewhere where I can't get it or whatever. But, yeah, this Oklahoma State defense is good against teams they play, which is other sorry, Oklahoma, uh, sorry Big 12 teams. So being ranked number one defense ain't saying much if you come out of the Big 12 because we know that the other defenses, the other teams aren't as stout. You know, every week to week. And the, the reason I say that is because, number one, their defense has been together. And then they got a, a freshman that can really rush the passer that made an impact. And he kind of elevated what they were, which was like a good defense. He elevated them. But to keep it real, they're slow. They're slow defensively. The linebackers are slow. Yeah. So if slow you can play. isolate, you can isolate by formation. The linebackers. Michael and that's Mayer, a problem because if you yeah. slow at linebackers, ain't no chance you guard Michael Mayer. None. Now, if you giving us Michael Mayer, we're taking Michael Mayer. You know, right. usually teams don't give it to us, but if you give right. it to us, we're going to take that. But they don't like to take chances like that, right? Because they like to play together as a defense. They don't like to take those chances. You know, they blitz occasionally, but Jim Knowles won't be there. So now that's the wild card. Like, you know, whoever's in his stead, 
you know, how is he going to attack? Not and that's sure. something that I don't think this is a bowl game. So, like, in 15 practice, they're not about to totally just go off the rails and change their defense. So they'll stick to their principles. But just watching, like I said, watching that Big 12 championship game, I'm not worried about their defense. And I'm not saying the defense is horrible. Running the ball is going to be one of the most difficult things early on against them. Early on, yeah, you gonna have to, you gotta, you gotta get through that storm of the deal, the bowl game, and the high. Yeah. But we're built for moments like this. This is a bigger game for them than it is for us. We're just excited to see how we're moving forward. We ain't thinking like, oh, this is the historic game in Notre Dame history. No, <laughs> I mean it's a great game. It's a bowl six game, but. You know, I thought Ohio State's Fiesta game in 2015 was bigger than this one. Johnny S. when a receiver said that he didn't see a place in Indy's offense, Tommy told him that there wasn't a game plan for him because he wasn't there yet. Well, it depends on the receiver. I think there'll be game plans for Styles. I mean, I'm, if a coach said that to me, I would take that as a compliment. Yeah, I'm for sure. It's all about the recruit. I would like, take you like, well, shit, we ain't got a player to put a game plan. We don't have nobody as good as you. So, which you won't. So, you come, we'll come and find out. Right. So I'm like, oh, okay. Word. Okay. Yeah, like, okay. Sound like I'm about to be catching the ball, touching the rock when I get there. Yeah. So uh, the homesick stuff, and they talked about this on Irish Breakdown. I want you to talk about this, bro. The true difficulty. This is what make no, makes Notre Dame unique. Rumors that Lorenzo Styles, Deion Cozy, and Logan Diggs are always are thinking about transferring. Right? Talk about that first semester at Notre Dame, bro. Just talk about how like much shock guys go through. Look, Notre Dame's just not for everybody, man. And that first year's hard, especially if you're not playing as much as you feel like you should or as much as you're seeing your peers play. But when you do get your chance when you're playing, you're going to be playing. Now, this is me speaking off of being with a diff, under a different head coach, but I would expect and think that playing under Marcus would be more fun, at least, and worth staying than it is under Coach Kelly. Because under Coach Kelly, you're thinking, all right, I'm in control of my own destiny. This is all business. I got to get in, get out, focus on what I need to, you know. If I do the right things, I get right. I think some kids will enjoy being there and then playing under a, a program like that, more under Marcus Freeman. So, you know, I don't really believe the rumors until they're true. And I don't know why Logan Diggs would think about leaving unless he just wanted to get 10 million carries every, every year. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. For me, once again, just looking at the game, I think Tommy's gonna have a lot to choose from, bro. Yeah, he yeah, Tommy got to There's a lot of ways. It's a lot of ways they can threaten and do damage against Oklahoma State. Yeah, they can't. They can't run with our receivers. They they can't. They can't. They can't. I'm telling yeah, you, I think it'd be a fun game for Tommy because he knows that he can get what he wants. Yeah. <laughs> Considering that, he probably believe the same thing we do that they're good, but they're not shut down good you know but i thought cincinnati got more more brand name players than what oklahoma state defense does to where you know they're good versus good they might win a couple you know but you can win some individual matchups against this oklahoma state defense 
Yeah. So my whole point to this is with that transfer portal stuff, look, man, it's Notre Dame. Kids are always going to look, start talking about Logan Diggs and Blake Fisher just tweeted. Blake Fisher tweeted something uh, yesterday saying what, 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 what can be something to your demise can be the thing that gives you the strength to be great. And Logan Diggs retweeted it and said, amen. So, dude, they're going through normal stuff at 18, 19. Just trying to be sure about what their future is. In my opinion, neither one of them go anywhere. That's my opinion. That's just my opinion. Deion Cozy, maybe. Marcus Freeman is not letting Lorenzo Styles Jr. and Logan Diggs go anywhere. And he shouldn't let Lawrence Keys go nowhere either because Lawrence Keys Lawrence, is real absolutely. good too. Lawrence Keys real good too. Yeah, he just solved a lot of receiver problems. Maybe. Huh? Marcus Freeman isn't letting those kids off campus. I just don't see it. He's like, man, I'm doing all this flying. I'm definitely not about to let the, the chickens lead us the, the coop. He's no. right here. No. no. There's no way. Because that's a conversation and it's like, nah. You can't... <laughs> You can't let these I, – I wouldn't be shocked if Deion Cozy gets, like, all types of receptions in the, in the bowl game. Yeah. You know what time. Petticoat. 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 Junction. It's time to get petty. Oh, we did a good job executing are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's Petty Historic? Yo, Petty Junction. Yep, right here. I see everybody drunk. Rico, I see you put yourself on the Petty train today. <laughs> uh, I want to put the trio of uh, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and Patrick Mahomes on the Petty train for making the Chargers feel like they really could uh, win that game last night. They, they reeled the youngsters in and made them feel good about themselves and hit that switch. Yeah. Just want some petty stuff. They made him a cake, let him love smell it, and threw it in their face. <laughs> Yo, you know who else can get the petty train? What's up with Brandon Staley, man? Is this high school football? <laughs> Dude, take the field goals, man. Take the field goal. He was playing Madden out there. Wasn't he playing Madden? He's like, you know what? We can get that four for one. We ain't even no. point. Like, fam, <laughs> take his. It was like points. two for five or four down. That's that's terrible. <laughs> Get them Yo. points, man. Get them points. And I'm going to nominate myself for the petty train today. You know, Roddy Rich album drops today, right? That's right. I don't give a darn. <gasps> see? See that face? That face right there, LL Nation, is from a dude that's in California and has been infected. That's crazy. Let me tell you why. The disrespect. I have been thrown off the Roddy Rich train, and I'm being petty today 
because all I do is hear Roddy Rich on the radio every time I go to LA all day, every day. That's right. That's right. Because they're they warming you up for the new album. The Lane Radio made me hate Roddy Rich. Facts. I can't stand Roddy Rich because of LA Radio. But that's why we giving you new music. Something to bump to different. You know? Bro. But I, I bet you know it. all the words, though. No, you can't hate a man you know all the words to. Dude, I mean, his songs are, are, his songs are catchy. Yep. So you'll definitely be humming them. I know you, you know, know. I'm still like, no, 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 he has some hits. That's not what I'm saying. Damn. I'm not dissing him. I'm just saying LA Radio made me hate the kid. <laughs> I hate his music. That's all I'm saying. Okay, that's fair. So I have to be petty today. His project comes out today. I don't care. I'm not listening to it. Until I know you come one out thing we'll be doing, and we'll be talking about it Monday. I'm going to see my guy Spider-Man. Oh, yeah, that's a must. That's, that's a, a must. Day. Hey, everybody watching, that's what you got to go do on the weekend. Might see it twice. Is that bad? Yeah, might see it twice because I heard that is really a lead up to the new Doctor Strange, as well. So and they said everybody loved it. Man, so I'm excited. Yo, I'm that dude that will stand up in the theater and clap, bro. <laughs> At the end, like, Yeah, yes. they, they they save save somebody at the end. You clapping at the end of the movie like it's a real theater show or something, <laughs> right? Hell no. Yo, hey man, somebody saying, uh, are you gonna send uh, Coach uh, Alfred some whiskey and hey. get him to come to Notre Dame? If that's in the recruiting package, I'll definitely send him some for sure. Now, CDBZ, this is when look. First of all, Jeez, <laughs> you listen to that Sosa? Okay. Hey. Hey, Sosa is an OG yo, legend, man. You can't disrespect Sosa. It's a real question because I'm not a Chief Key fan. That's number one. That's an assumption by DBZ just because I'm from the shop. I didn't say I'm not, I didn't say I don't listen to Roddy. I said LA radio because I have to go out there Made you multiple listen to times. Roddy. They make me hate Roddy Rich because that's all they play all day. All they play. So I don't care about the new album. I mean, eventually I'll get to it, but I'm not jumping it on, on it today. I'm just not. I don't care. You're going to hear it 50 times when you come out here. For sure. And I'll say this. I don't care. I'll rep the shot. Finito is better than any song Roddy Rich has ever put out. Yeah, that's a classic. That's like, that's damn near up there with the Michael Jackson hit. Finito and Don't Like. Oh yeah, Chief Keith has two songs that Roddy Rich has yet has yet has yet, yet to match. That's so, true. That, that song's a classic through generations. I might even get a a, bit, uh, a vinyl off of that mom. <laughs> Dude, thanks for everybody that joined in today. This has been the Lucky Lefty Podcast, man. We hope you enjoyed us going over the ways that Marcus Marcus Freeman can build his staff and get the program to the next level. We gave you five examples. And uh, like, subscribe, share, like, hit the notification bell, let other people know. 
It's the new fresh. We're the kids on the block when it comes to Notre Dame football and podcasting. We spin it different right here each and every day. We want you to spin it different today as well in your life. So for my guy, Malik Zaire, I'm Sean Davis. Have a great weekend. Don't spend too much money out in the malls. And uh, we'll see you Monday. See you Monday, baby. Yes, sir.